Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Good Dog Pod. I am Dr. Michael Delgado, your host here from Good Dog's health standards and research team. Earlier this year, we were really excited to have Fred Helpers on the Good Dog Pod to discuss his background in training and working with detection dogs in law enforcement. Fred is currently retired, but he spent over 40 years working with dogs in areas as diverse as the U.S. Border Patrol, as a narcotics detective, and training dogs to detect everything from drugs to bugs. He organized the Pacific Northwest Police Detection Dog Association. He was a founding member of the Scientific Working Group on Dog and Orthogonal Factors, which was an organization that worked to improve the performance, reliability, and courtroom defensibility of detector dog teams. Fred took his love of canine olfaction in a new direction when he started getting involved with nose work over 10 years ago. He's now a certified canine nose work instructor, and he has written two books, The Nose Work Handler and The Nose Work Dog. Last time we talked to Fred, we focused pretty heavily on his work in law enforcement, and it was one of our most popular episodes of the podcast. So we wanted to bring him back, and this time I thought it would be really fun to dive a little deeper into his expertise in nose work. So Fred, welcome back to the Good Dog Pod. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So before we get into the sport and fun of nose work, I can't resist getting in a few stories about your days in law enforcement because I know you've got some amazing background stories from that 40 years you spent working in law enforcement. And I know your first dog that you worked with in that role was Sammy. And what was it like to, for example, work in U.S. Customs with her? And did you have any like kind of intense situations working with Sammy? Yeah, so Sammy was my first dog, detection dog, a Labrador retriever, and it was a lot of fun working with Customs. I learned a lot. We worked a lot of different scenarios from big 747 planes landing at SeaTac to fishing processes out in the Straits of Juan de Fuca up in Washington State to big cargo containers at border crossings with vehicles going across. So yeah, it was a lot of fun working, and I assisted U.S. Customs at that time. Nice. I think for most of us, customs just seems like something we do at the airport, right? And you declare whether or not you have anything in your luggage, but obviously you're dealing with yeah, planes and trains and much, much bigger things. Yeah. U.S. Customs and U.S. Border Patrol, they're involved in a lot of different operations to, you know, keep our borders safe and secure and keep out contraband. So, you know, they have quite a role to play. Now, when I read one of your books, you did talk about a situation with Sammy that involved another species of animal. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how that happened? Sure. That was in my early stages in the first couple of years of working Sammy. And and one of the protocols we're trained to do is before we apply our detection dogs is we do a safety check. And that's a walkthrough of the residence or the facility vessel or whatever that we're going to apply the dog. And in this situation, we were on a search warrant of a large residence and I had conducted my safety check and I'm looking for hazards that will affect the dog or myself. And my partners were with me and they were also assisting in the safety check. And we're looking for hazards like chemicals or trip wires or something sharp that may hurt my dog or myself. And that's pretty much it. But when I started to apply Sammy and I took her in the master bedroom area, of course, the place was a mess to start off with and <laughs> the cleanest people in the world. But piled in a corner of the room was a large 
pack of laundry, unwashed, mm-hmm. you know, dirty linens and clothes and stuff like that. And so this pile of laundry that was there, I was letting Sammy run off leash because I thought it was secure. And Sammy runs by the laundry pile. And this is rather large. This is about a three foot large pile stacked in the corner. And as she runs by it, all of a sudden I see a change of behavior, which is, you know, the body stiffens and the head snap back and really intensive sniffing. And as Sammy is doing that, I recognize, wow, she's detecting something. Yeah. And at that time, I see the laundry start to move. Oh, geez. And it was just a slight ripple effect of some linens that were right on the ground. And so luckily, I grabbed Sammy by her collar and pulled her back. And about that time, a large boa constrictor head slithered out from underneath this linen. And luckily, I'm not afraid of snakes. Okay. Who was standing behind me was deathly afraid of snakes. And he screamed and ran out of the room. (laughs) I got Sammy and all Sammy wanted to do was, of course, go in and play with a snake. Not a good idea with a boa constrictor. It was about a four to six foot boa constrictor, rather large one. But we were able to corral the snake, put it back in this little container and conduct our search. So, yeah, that was just one incident that occurred. Taught me a lesson, though. Do a thorough safety check. Yeah, that could be an unwanted surprise for a lot of people, for sure. Oh, yes, it was. Okay, well, I had to just get in that story, but let's kind of dive into the dog's nose and sense of smell. We've talked a lot about detection dogs at different points on the Good Dog Pod this year, I think because that's what dogs do best. But one thing we haven't really done is provided our listeners with kind of that, like, what is going on when dogs are smelling? So first of all, can you give us a quick layperson overview of how the canine nose works? Okay, so from a layperson's perspective, in simple terms, odor molecules, which are detected by the dog, enter the dog's nose and travel through a nasal passageway. And as the air moves through the passageway, the snout, if you will, it is filtered, it's warm, it's humidified through the various construction of the internal part of the nose. There's turbinates and mucus, etc. However, inside that nose, there's specialized receptor cells or hair-like projections called cilia, and they capture those odor molecules and send a signal right to the part of the brain called the olfactory lobe, where it's kind of recognized, interpreted by the brain, and stored for future reference. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah, which is probably pretty similar to how our nose works too, right? Theirs is just maybe a lot better than ours. Theirs is uh, way a lot better than that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I wanted to also just kind of help people understand, like, what's the difference between a scent and a smell or what we might call an odor? Is there a difference? Kind of just thinking about the terminology. We hear words like scent work. Yeah. In the detection dog field, there's numerous terminologies depending on which discipline you're involved in, whether or not it's explosives or drugs or the sports detection dog field of canine nose work. You know, so dictionaries may define smell as a noun, the sense of smell that detects odors, if you will. Mm-hmm. However, in my field, in the operational world for detection work, I use scent as being a combination of odors and okay. the term odors belonging to or emanating from a specific source. So okay. you know, I differentiate it from that perspective. Okay. So a scent would be more complex, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. One thing I wanted to chat with you about today is sniffing, right? This is a behavior we observe dogs doing. I mean, we do it too, but with dogs, it does seem it's a very recognizable behavior. It's active. So what is the purpose 
of sniffing? Well, first of all, dogs are sniffing all the time. And, you know, you have your pet dogs at home. Right now, I got both of them in my I office here. Yeah. yeah, laying around here somewhere. There's the Brittany in the back. Yeah, they're sniffing all the time. We as humans tend to view the world in terms of sight, what we visualize. Dogs do it with their sense of smell, so to speak. Dogs use sniffing to enhance detection of odors, to create a scent picture, as I term it. For example, as humans, we may observe the kitchen table with the chairs around it and coffee cups and maybe leftover breakfast and breakfast dishes, etc. However, the dog that comes into the room and encounters the same area that we're looking at right now will explore the world of odor molecules from previous meals, human odors past and present, other odors that may have been carried into the room by ourselves or other household pets. So they are formulating a scent picture, if you will, with their olfactory talents, with their nose. It's pretty hard for us to kind of imagine what that's like, but it's a good analogy, right? Like we're very visual and they're creating a picture, just not necessarily a visual picture. Yes, and it's all this combination of odor molecules, which we are not aware of. We may be able to smell some odors. However, the dog is smelling a variety, a huge range of different odors. And from that, they'll create an active scent picture, if you will, of what is present and what has come before us. So sniffing can be a really rigorous task, both physically and psychologically, for the dog. So much so that sniffing behavior consists of a series of rapid inhalations and exhalations through the nose that usually occur four to six times per second. Oh, wow. Or more. Okay. During which time the normal breathing cycle is changed. But that's a lot of concentration by the dog. And, you know, if people want to learn more about that, there's numerous scientific journals out there and articles. A really good one is by Dr. Brent Craven and Eric Patterson and Dr. Settles from University of Pennsylvania. And it's called The Fluid Dynamics of Canine Olfaction. It's a very, very good article. Okay. For those who want to take a deeper dive, it's a great reference. Thank you. So we've kind of hinted at there's differences in how humans experience the world and how dogs experience the world or experience a scene, right? Like you described going into the kitchen. We can see the coffee cup and we can see the dirty plates and we can see the sink. The dog can smell all those things simultaneously. So let's talk. I mean, I think probably this isn't a surprise to a lot of people. We know that dog's sense of smell is superior to that of humans, but how superior? What's that difference like? Yes, we're well aware of the dog's sense of smell is very superior. It's been estimated to be anywhere from 10,000 times to 100,000 times better than that of a human. Dogs can possess up to 300 million olfactory receptors in their nasal chambers, if you will, compared to humans who may have 6 million. Still seems like a lot, but yeah. (laughs) It is a lot. It's very microscopic and it's very much a lot. Yeah, great. You are listening to The Good Dog Pod. We're here today with Fred Helfers talking about dogs' sense of smell, and we'll be right back to talk more about dogs and nose work. Your Litter A to Z is the leading science-based course for dog breeders. It includes expertly designed 18 modules, checklists, and reports that cover before breeding, getting your bitch pregnant, whelping your litter, and raising your pups. This course usually costs $479, you can access it for free when you join Good Dog. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. And we are back at the Good Dog Pod. Today, we're chatting with Fred Helfers about dog sense of smell, and we're going to dig into nose work. So let's talk about 
as we're ramping up, I think, towards this concept of nose work as like both fun and perhaps the best way to use your dog's essential skills, let's talk about scent discrimination. What is it? So in my world, the operational world, scent discrimination can be defined as the ability to locate and identify a target odor when other odors are present. And I can give you a couple of analogies about that. A common one is the hamburger analogy. So when we're looking at a hamburger that we cooked at home on the barbecue and it's on our plate, you know, we visualize and we see the, the entire hamburger, so to speak. Whereas the dog has the ability through scent discrimination to identify the hamburger in its entirety, such as they identify the bun. They identify mm -hmm. maybe there's mayonnaise on it. They also identify the meat, the cheese, the tomato, the lettuce, the pickles, all of those through the different odors that it gives off. So the dog has the ability to break down that hamburger mm -hmm. and be able to identify each particular element involved in the making of that hamburger. Okay. Another quick analogy would be, we talk about scent discrimination where the dog has the ability to identify different odors that are present. We have that ability as a human, but it's so minimal compared to the dog's olfactory talents. For example, when we walk into a flower shop, right at the threshold of coming into the store, you may be inundated with this strong perfume of different odors coming from different flowers. Mm. There's azaleas and roses and carnations, etc. So we see all that. And in our rudimentary behavior, we have the ability to kind of isolate and we identify a rose. Say we're going to buy a rose for our spouse and we walk over to the rose and we hold the rose to our nose and we have the ability to smell that rose and identify its perfume from past experiences as being present there. At that time, we're smelling the rose. These other odors have not gone away. They're still present, but we have the ability to discriminate in a very rudimentary term of process and be able to identify that as a very fresh smelling rose. So it does work with us, but it's very minimal. I feel like simultaneously it would be challenging, right? I feel like as soon as going back to the hamburger analogy, and I'm glad you brought up pickles because that's my favorite part of the burger. But like, as soon as I focus on the pickles, I've kind of lost my ability to smell the cheese, right? Like, I feel like humans, it's kind of like you said, I smell a burger. I don't smell mayo, bun, pickle, burger. Like, yeah, I think it's really interesting to kind of think about. Yeah, you're able to process it in, as the whole combination of all those odors. Yeah, but dogs can actually simultaneously kind of hold in their brains. There are eight different odors here. Exactly. They have okay. the ability to discriminate far, far greater than we do. Yes. Okay. Now, one thing, a term that I've read both in researching detection work and also nose work is that people describe specific ways that dogs tell you they're detecting a smell, right? Or I think the term that's used often is that they're in odor. Can you explain what behaviors let you know that a dog is detecting I'm getting hung up on it. Is it a scent or an odor? <laughs> but the terminology. So generally speaking, most professional dogs or dogs in training for sports detection, such as canine nose work or scent work, will demonstrate certain physical changes of behavior as they encounter a scent plume that's emanating from a target odor. And that target odor will be given off molecules for which they're trained to detect, but not yet at the source of the target odor. So they may be 
two, three, or even 10 feet away when they detect the target odor molecules to them in a scent plume. But a change of behavior, and it's different with a lot of different types of dogs, and it's not limited to, but generally what you see is the dog's coming into the scent plume and encounters this scent plume from the target odor. And what happens is the dog's head may rise slightly. There'll be a head snap where maybe the dog's head turns to the left or right. There'll be intensive sniffing and focus in one area. And everybody's seen this with their own animals at home, where a dog is running around the yard and all of a sudden stops to investigate a certain combination of odors or what may be present on the ground, etc. You can also have such things as a tail flag, especially in the breeds such as Labrador Retrievers or any of your hunting breeds that have tails, where the tail is raised and arched over the back. It's very rigid. We see that a lot in Labradors. And overall, the dog's body becoming more rigid and more focused on a specific area. So those are different types of changes of behavior that hopefully the handler will learn to read with their dog over a period of time. Great. And can you explain the difference between an area alert and a specific alert? Yeah, about 30 years ago, I guess it was. It was a long time. I was giving a class on the East Coast, a seminar, and I was asked to define the changes of behavior and how I describe those. And I come up with this equation, if you will. So an area alert is a combination of physical changes of behavior that the dog will demonstrate as it encounters the target odor scent plume. So as it's coming into the room and the dog's head comes up, it melts, closes, and it starts to focus in a certain corner of the room. I would call that an area alert. The dog is exhibiting different changes of behavior. Whereas a specific alert would relate to the final response the dog displays upon locating the source of that target odor. It could be such behaviors as a sit, a down, a stare, or a freeze response, or even a look back at the handlers, which is prevalent in nose work and scent work classes. So a specific alert, again, would be more, some people might say it's a final trained response. I say it's maybe the final response because sometimes the trained response is overshadowed by natural responses, such as staring or pointing by a hunting dog. So that's the difference between area alert and specific alert. Okay. And in that case, the dog has kind of notified you that, yes, I've found the source of this odor. Yes. I'm here. (laughs) I have landed. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, great. So I did want to take a little bit deeper dive into nose work than we did last time. So first of all, can you just give us a quick overview of what nose work is? Yes. So nose work or scent work or scent detection is a dog sport created to mimic the professional detection dog tasks. About 2006, the sport of canine nose work was formed in Southern California by a good friend of mine, Ronnie Gaunt and Amy Harrow and Jill Marie O'Brien. Those three canine professionals developed this sport as a way of getting the common pet, the household dog, being involved, giving them a different exercise, if you will, to keep them busy and to keep them active so they're not just becoming couch potatoes. (laughs) But the sport has since grown internationally with different organizations in not only in the U.S., but Canada, Australia, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Italy, Iceland, even France. So all over the world, some form of canine nose work or sports sensitization is being conducted. That's great. So what nose work is really is that one dog and one handler make a team. They can search a variety of environments such as vehicles, containers, exterior or interior environments. But the dogs must find a target odor. 
which is usually concealed. Okay. At the start, it's not. They will then lead up to where they will alert. That's the term we use, the handler, with a change of behavior. And the dog is rewarded by the handler with a food treat or toy, like a ball or tug toy. Okay. But the dogs hunt for specific odors, and all the odors used in the sport of nose work are legal to possess. It's not like us in the professional world where we have explosives or we have licenses to possess certain controlled substances that we will utilize for the training of the detection dog. But common odors that canine nose work people utilize, such things as anise, birch, and clove, and these are essential oils. Yeah pine or thyme or wintergreen. They differ with different sport organizations throughout the world. Okay. You know, the thing about nose work, and this is what makes it so exciting and so thoroughly enjoyable, is that it really helps those dogs that may have exhibited behavior problems in the past. Dogs with a fear of humans can work and be rewarded in an environment with people around, but the dogs are not forced to interact with Mm -hmm. people. And if they're trained correctly, they go to the source of the odor because they know they're getting a good treat. They're getting their reward or they're getting their tug toy. In nose work, the dogs are worked one at a time. So the dogs with dog aggression are able to have fun without other dogs being in close proximity. And the importance is it cannot be understated that the increase in time spent with the dog while participating in nose work is very important for that human dog bonding, I believe, you know, really important. Yeah. So it sounds like fun time with your dog, utilizing their skills and they get rewards. So it's like a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And it's very much a game that we get to interact with our dogs. And that's so critical in today's world. And I think the word game is really important because you could imagine like, you know, dogs that do detection work, that's pretty high stakes. I mean, hopefully the dogs are trained so that it's actually fun for them, but It's a little different than a game you're playing with your dog at home. It's a world of difference, but the foundation of it, it's still a game. Yeah, okay. The dog and the handler, and that's the foundation part. I used to say when I was working my two drug detection dogs for law enforcement, I can't believe I'm getting paid to play with my dog. Right, right. It's the best of both worlds. I guess, and they don't know that what they're finding is something potentially dangerous or illegal. They're just like, hey, I found this for you, like... What's next? They're just playing the game and expecting their ball or their toy or a food treat. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So if someone's interested in nose work, what's the best way to get started? Well, I would suggest contacting your local nose work or scent work organization. And usually they can be found online. There's a variety of different organizations, which we can mention towards the end there. An important part is to become very familiar with the sport is you can volunteer and I oh, encourage nice. everybody who is interested, volunteer at some of these competitive trials that are held almost every weekend throughout the country. Volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Nice. These sports need the assistance of volunteers. You will learn so much. You get to talk to some excellent people and meet some outstanding dogs. And trials always need volunteers. It's a great way to experience the sport. Great. And if you want to get started, do you need a lot of equipment? No, it's actually, I think, one of the cheapest dog sports to get into because you need very little to start. Get yourself some high demand or very desirable treats and some open boxes. And we start off with simple drills at home by just hiding the dog's favorite treats throughout the house. 
And you may then accelerate that into using the open boxes and just dropping the treats into different boxes and dog goes to find those boxes. The goal is to have your dog to hunt for each treat. So there's some dogs over the course of centuries, they need to relearn a genetic trait that's been subdued over generations. You know, some of your smaller dogs or even some of your large dogs like mastiffs and big boxes and stuff like that. Some of that instinctive hunting drive has been diminished in over a period of generation. And so they need to relearn that. And one of the best ways is hiding treats throughout your house, giving them a command, find it or search. Once they figure out this is a game, they will readily get involved in that. And it's a good way to start off. Of course, there's different elements as we progress through, but that's a really easy way to begin. Okay. So you mentioned just hiding the treats somewhere in the house. So if you wanted to kind of take it to the next step, like what's a good starter, like kind of more nose work exercise? In canine nose work, we generally start off with hiding a primary reward, which is actually the treat itself. Mm-hmm. And generally, it's done with a food treat in open boxes randomly placed throughout a room, you know, such as everybody nowadays is getting deliveries from Amazon and other delivery mm-hmm. places. And so you use those boxes Cut the top off it so you got those smaller boxes placed three or four throughout the room, maybe five, and increase the number of boxes as the dog gains experience. And what will happen is you go around and you drop different treats in the different boxes. And as the dog gathers one treat and then goes rapidly, runs over to another box to inspect it, looking for a treat, you drop another treat into the box the dog just cleared. So the dog has this little bit of exercise where they go running from box to box to box And eventually, it's building the dog's hunt drive. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for the dog to inspect each box and be rewarded for that hunting detection behavior by finding the treat. And so after completing those multiple exercises, you basically reduce the number of food treats in the boxes. So the dog is actively inspecting. Boxes may be empty, but thereby increasing the dog's hunt drive to go to the box that does have the food treat in it. It's important, it's very important that the handler not rush these foundational exercises or drills. Just be patient. Let your dog become a hunter. Let your dog have fun. You know, that's the best part about it. Let your dog have fun searching these boxes, sniffing these boxes, and going along and saying, oh, that's not it. That's not, aha, here it is. It's in this box. You know, it's a simple game. It doesn't cost much to get involved. And very soon you'll start finding yourself collecting all sorts of boxes, <laughs> stacking them around and realize that now you're into nose work. Yes. Excellent. And if you want to make it a little bit easier or harder, depending on how your dog's doing, do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah. So you know, we've already talked about the dogs inspecting different boxes and that. Mm-hmm. One of the ways, well, in training, okay, is you know, when you're introducing odor and the dogs now recognize and say the odor of birch, okay, the placement of the hide, if you will, that's what they call it in nose work or scent work, the placement of the hide, where you conceal it, such as ground level or elevated, maybe on the top of a chair, or suspended hides hanging from a piece of string that's oh, you know, cool. three foot off the ground. Yeah. That's a little bit more advanced. Or yeah. buried in containers or water hides, because the odor molecules will come to the surface after a while. Those are more advanced, but we can make 
the exercise easier or harder by the different types of hide placement and also varying the amounts of odor levels. Most people involved in nose work or scent work, they use Q-tips and the Q-tips are impregnated with a drop of essential oil, one drop or two drops or three drops. So varying the amounts of odor level is another way to make it easier or harder. And accessible versus inaccessible hides. That means basically, can the dog go to the source of the odor or is the dog somehow blocked mm. like like a stack of chairs and the dog can't go in and put its nose on the source of the odor, but maybe three to five inches away from the source. You know, those would be inaccessible hides. Gotcha. You vary that. And that's something you will learn throughout your journey through nose work. Okay, great. Yeah, you've given some really great ideas on getting started and taking it to the next level. So I wanted to ask about brachycephalic dogs because they do tend to have smaller nares. Can they do nose work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Any breed can do nose work. And the brachycephalic breeds like Bulldogs and Bostons and French Bulldogs, Pekingese, Shih Tzu, they're really, really good at nose work. So experience has shown us that dogs such as the pugs, the boxes, are really able to learn to discriminate the odors and can perform equally, that's important, equally alongside other dog breeds. Where there may be a shortcoming would be in the physical stamina levels of such breed, which because of the way the nose is constructed, the shortness of it, they may have respiratory limitations, which would affect scent stamina, which would affect physical stamina in the dog. But because most nose work exercises are generally done three and a half to five minutes or less in duration, the brachycephalic dogs really perform well. They do very good. And it's really cute to see a little French bulldog running around the room finding, you know, at times they tend to snort a little bit, (laughs) which is good. You hear them working, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Nice. So we may have some listeners that are already doing nose work or have been doing it for a while. So what are some ways that people can improve their skills when they're doing nose work? Okay. So there's several ways. First of all, I have some free webinars on my website, fredhelfers.com. Take advantage of that opportunity. It's free. They're not very long in duration. They give you some good pointers on handling skills, a detection dog. But of course, videotaping, you cannot diminish that. So Mm -hmm. get your smartphone, set it up so it's focusing on a certain room or outside area and videotape your dog and yourself working a training exercise. And what's really important about videotaping is after you videotape the exercise, by all means, look at the dog's change of behavior and the different behaviors that the dog will demonstrate to you when they are searching for a trained odor or even primary. But then go back and pay close attention to your behavior as a handler, because as a handler, you have a lot of influence on your dog. And those dogs sometimes that won't leave your side because maybe they had a lot of obedience training and now they're off leash in the backyard, but they won't leave your side. It could be because of behavior that you're exhibiting that the dog is used to for a different sport and you're not aware of. So pay attention to your behavior also. Have such things as have another person work your dog. Hmm. Okay. While you're standing back watching them, just a simple exercise. You'll see a lot when that happens, just like in a videotape. Now, the next point here that I've utilized, but you've got to be very careful. If you have a trusted instructor or assistant, you can conduct an exercise where you are stationary, you don't move, and you're blindfolded like in a smaller room and where there is a hide, target odor hidden, and you would listen to your dog's change of breathing or sniffing as it gets closer to the target source 
And then you would tell your assistant or the instructor, the dog is on source of odor based on your auditory perception. So you're not using your eyes to watch the change of behavior. You're using your ears to tell you, hey, there's a change of breathing here. There's a change of sniffing. It's getting more intense and more intense, especially in some of the little pugs and short-nosed dogs. You can hear that breathing, that snorting through the nose. So a lot of handlers that have tried this exclaim right away, wow, I didn't realize there was that world. We have that uh, ability to recognize another behavior the dog demonstrates, and we tend to take for granted the auditory perception of a dog sniffing and breathing while searching. So it's just a good way to improve your handling skills. Yeah, and your kind of awareness and perception if you're not relying just on visuals, right? Yes, exactly. exactly. So you worked in police work for many years. Did you have a hard time transitioning from that kind of high-stakes professional situation to doing nose work for fun? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> nose work training is a lot of fun, you know. Okay, yeah. Retirement is fun, you know. I was going to say, retirement helps, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. However, nose work training is so much fun. The stress of training professional dog teams really is not present when training a nose work team. You understand that in the professional world, we have a job to do. We got to make the streets safer. We got to make our travel safer. The shipping of cargo containers for contraband or explosive. We have to make that professional role. And there's a lot of stress placed on the handlers and the dog. But in nose work, this is a game you can play in your backyard, in your garage, anytime, day or night, and simply spend five minutes a day playing with your dog and having a world of fun. And from there, you'll get hooked. It's just so much fun. The one area I really enjoyed since coming from the professional side to more of the nose work side was teaching pet owners how to enjoy Mm -hmm. their dogs while playing the game of scent detection. That's critical. It was a great adjustment for me into the retirement phase of my life. I'm still involved somewhat professionally, but the majority of training I do now happens to be with nose work instructors and handlers and teams. And I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And it's just a fun time. It's a fun time. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking a deep dive into nose work with us. Where can people learn more about you and about nose work? Well, for starters, they can go to my webpage, you know, fredhelfers.com. Yep. There's a variety of free training videos, free webinars. I have a listing for nose work supplies there, such as we have myself and my good friend, Brian Stearns, my engineer friend, just developed new pairing pods for sale. A pairing pod is a device, if you will, that holds the odor, but provides a small ledge for you to put a treat. So you can hmm. pair a treat alongside the odor and you can use them in a different variety of environments. I have my books for sale there. And also, I've just developed and released a canine remote reward system for detection dogs. That's also on there. I'm on Facebook, and they can contact me at helferscanine at gmail.com. They can find me on the web. I found you. So, yeah, you're online. There you go. Fred is online. I conduct speaking engagements and workshops, and I'm currently booking for next year. So far, I have appointments and booking workshops in Italy and Denmark and Sweden and the United States throughout next year. So I keep busy. Yeah. And it's a fun sport to keep busy with. Might be a good time to plan an Italian vacation with a little nose work seminar thrown in. Just saying. Yes. Yes. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Okay, great. And do you have any good resources for people that want to get started in nose work besides going to your website? Yeah, there's so many on the web nowadays. There's so many websites available, such as Canine Nose Work or found on the NACSW website, which gives a list of instructors in your area 
nationally and internationally in their locations. You just go to that NACSW website and bring up the instructors. You put in your state and we'll come up with a list of qualified people. And that's the one thing is National Association of Canine Scent Work is the oldest governing body in nose work. It was established in the mid-2000s, but it's the only organization that offers formal training for the individuals who want to teach nose work. Okay, so who want to do what you're doing and work with dog parents. Yeah, and if they successfully complete the instructor training program, they become a certified nose work instructor or CNWI. But there's other websites, such as the AKC Scent Detection website. And in Australia, there's the Australian Canine Scent Work, OACSW, there's Canadian Kennel Club, Sporting right. Detection Dogs Association, United States Canine Scent Sports, and it goes on and on. Whatever country in, there's going to be somebody doing it. Right. In Italy, it's called Nose Work Italia. You know, I cannot pronounce the Danish or the Swedish versions. We won't ask you to. <laughs> Thank you very much. But they have the same thing. So okay, a lot of resources, right. a lot of resources. Yeah, well, we'll drop the links to your website, redhelpers.com, and the NACSW websites in our show notes so that people can find those organizations. It seems like once they get to those sources, they can find everything else pretty easily. So Fred, thank you so much. I hope that a lot of dogs get some nose work games under the Christmas tree this year or get to spend their owner's holiday time off engaging in some fun new games with their dogs. So thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and really appreciate your time. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 